My name is Jenny. My name is Ted. My name is Gray. And, and this, this is Anamorphology. The Invasion. The Visitor. The Encounter. The Message. The Predator. The Capture. The Stranger. The Alien. The Secret. The Android. The Forgotten. The Reaction. The Chain. The Unknown. The Escape. The Warning. The, the Decision. The Spoiled Departure. The Single Discovery. The Proposed Threat. The Mutation. The Separation. The Deception. The Suspicion. Resistance. The Unexpected. Sacrifice. The Diversion. The Answer. The Beginning. The journey. My name is Rachel, and I was facing down a controller in a purple and pink Dunkin' Donuts uniform. He was holding a Dracon beam, smirking, the little jerk. Lies! My name is Emily. Hi! <laughs> Emily, oh my god. I can't believe you lied to us. I totally thought you were Rachel. I'm so flattered. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This is so exciting. <laughs> that was amazing. It is so exciting for me. I have listened to 86.7 hours of you now. So, oh my God, that's, that's like so a big, large number. <laughs> We've made that much podcast. I mean, I can't, and that is so embarrassing. Yes, I, I got all the way through episode 40. I didn't listen to the mailbag or the Megamorphs 4 yet. So I got all the way through episode 40. I can't believe I managed to do it. <laughs> Very impressed with you, I gotta Me say. Too. Yeah, that's super impressive and unnecessary. But <laughs> yeah. we love it. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm so glad. So I guess people, it's probably, you know, information out there already, your history with Animorphs, but we'd love it if you could uh, tell us a little bit about it anyway. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up reading the Animorphs. I very much remember the first time I ever saw them. We were in an airport. I don't know where we were flying, but we were flying somewhere. And in one of those like Hudson newsstands, I, mom was letting us buy books and I saw the invasion. And so I think we bought the invasion and the visitor and and then we were hooked. I have three younger siblings and all four of us were reading them. So I was, I had to have been 11, I think. Um, and so my siblings were, my brother was, so he was like six, six and a half. So <laughs> we read them for many years. Um, I, you know, distinctly remember getting them for my sister at Christmas, but before I wrapped them for her, I read them. <laughs> Which is I couldn't help it. I was like, I have to know what happens. So um, we still have almost all of the books. I think we used to have all of them. I'm, I'm staring at a bunch of them right now on my shelf because I brought them back after Christmas uh, to share with uh, one of the kids in my life here in New York who's just a sweetheart and who I got into the Animorphs books. So. Um, oh, excellent work. Yeah, so um, it's been hilarious to revisit them. I never finished reading them. I stopped at some point, and now I can definitively say that the last book I read was number 40, um, because 41 was completely foreign to me, and I've never read this one either, 42. Um, I thought it was 37, because, boy, that was a really good fake out, Jenny. That was... <laughs> amazing i was like i've never read this before this is flabberg i guess it was 37 and then got to the end of the episode and was totally along with gray like what what it was very funny so yeah yeah so this is all new territory for me although i think my siblings must have read most of the others but i don't think any of the four of us ever finished the series so i have no idea what happens <laughs> Do you have a prediction? Is that dangerous? 
I I think I have received a minor spoiler oh, okay. uh, in the AMA, in the Reddit AMA. I think I got a minor spoiler, so I don't want to say anything because oh, that's, that's good. You but... already know about the double wedding, then? Is that yeah? Thing? I mean, okay. I mean, who doesn't? It's like pop culture common knowledge. Yeah. You couldn't yeah. even hide it. It was so obvious. Yeah, but you you could definitely help Greg predict the next book. If you God, yeah. I guess I will have to. Yes, I'm not. Yeah. Every time you do the predictions, I'm like, I oh, I'm I'm not going to be good at that. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really you're really good at it, Gray. Except this one. Good heavens, Gray. Okay, well, I this is the one that made me think. Did did Grace friend John just tell her what's in this book and have her like fake us out and like creep us out with how good the prediction was? <gasps> did you predict it well? Oh, yeah, yeah you haven't listened to that yet. yet. No. I haven't edited it yet. I'm editing it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Monday that we'll have my prediction for this one, which we should talk about. Right. Yeah. Wait, but yeah. Heard, okay. I want to hear more about you getting back into Animorphs. I know you yes. all have a story online, but for our listeners. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, I'm an audiobook narrator. That's my my day job and my um, primary identity as an actor. And I got an audition in my inbox one day saying, um, you know, did you ever hear of the series, The Animorphs? Do you remember what that was? And I wrote back... Um, why, yes, I do. But in my heart, I was like screaming in all caps. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, and so I auditioned for this, you know, just like any other audiobook job. Although this is probably the only audiobook job that I sort of pleaded with the universe. Please let me have this one. Like it meant so much to me. Um, which actually made it a lot harder to audition because I oh, cared yeah. so much that I couldn't, I, I, I don't usually work with a coach for an audition because you go, you do a lot of auditions, just it's the job of being an actor. And, but this one, I was like, look, I'm in my own way. I love this book too much help. And so I worked with a coach and sent in an audition and then didn't hear anything for a while and assumed I didn't get it, which is the nature of the game. And then got an email saying, congratulations, you've been chosen. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I got to be the voice of Rachel for books two and seven. They've produced the first eight audiobooks. I know you, most of you all know that if you're listening because you guys have been talking about it here, which is so cool. Um, and so, yeah, I recorded those in the fall. And they came out. Uh, number two came out in January. Number seven comes out next month, April. So they're all available on Audible and wherever you get your audiobooks. That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. Them immediately so we can get more plays. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> the, your recording of The Visitor is so good. I, yeah, I listened to the whole thing. I haven't caught up. Now the first six are out. I haven't listened to all of them yet, but mm -hmm. it's amazing. I'm now, so yeah, glad you liked it. <laughs> but all the voices for the other characters are absolutely fantastic. I couldn't believe it when I was listening to the, because we listened to, we didn't like connect with each other really. Um, we were working through a producer who simply gave us each other's uh, auditions mm -hmm. and or just links to our audible pages and we're like, just go listen to their voice. So when I listened to the the six voices, I was like, oh my God, they're, they like almost are exactly what I heard in my head, which is really funny to say because I didn't really hear books in my head very much as a kid. Like that was something I sort of had to develop when I became an audiobook narrator. And, but this one, it was exactly right. So yeah, it was kind of nice. Hooray. How do you think about being Rachel? Like, do you, I don't, I don't know anything about how you get into different voices for narrating, but like, what is that process like? 
Um, I, it sounds so silly, but most of most of my job as an audiobook narrator is just listening. I'm just listening to a voice in my head. Um, like, how do you say it? <laughs> I, I, like, you just sort of feel her. I mean, so the specifics when I think about Rachel, I think she's tough. She's got, you know, she's got a lot of um, aggressiveness pr- that she projects um, because that's how she copes with the world. And she kind of goes into any situation guns blazing mentally. So just, I don't know, trying to channel that and then feel that. I guess that's, it's, it's really hard to explain the acting process, but it's the best I can do is to say, like, I just, I listen for her and I try to feel her. And sometimes if I'm having trouble with that, I'll, I'll try to like bo- embody her. I'll put her into my body and just feel like, what would she feel like right now? Like if you ever saw me recording anything in the booth, let alone these books, there's a lot of hand gestures as silently okay. as possible. So the mic doesn't pick them up. But yeah, like if you can get your body into it, that sometimes helps you in too. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I know you said you didn't listen to our mailbag yet. We did have a, a special request. So someone had commented on the Valley Girl elements of Nice Rachel in, <laughs> in 32. Yes. is isn't really part of your narrative voice for Rachel, but they were wondering, like, how would you do Nice Rachel and Mean Rachel in The Separation? That's, like, a, like a really, like, good question. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think I would just try to, like, be really nice. And I, I I kind of like doubt myself a lot. I think maybe like I, you know, it's been a while. So maybe that, (laughs) does that work for you? (laughs) What if we said that didn't work for us? Would you maybe have a a mean Rachel reaction to that? Uh, Maybe without expletives, Emily. Um, (laughs) It's fine. We'll bleep them. Yeah. I swear constantly. (laughs) Don't even worry about it. Well, that's, I, I, that is true. But Rachel doesn't. Oh, Rachel doesn't. no. Well, well, no, she does. She does in that middle grade yeah. way. Like, Rachel said a word that I didn't think she knew. Like. <laughs> yes. But in Rachel's POV, she doesn't say that oh, very true. much. So how it... Um, I mean, I think mean Rachel is just, like, really aggressive. She just doesn't give up anything. She just... Yeah. It's, she's very brisk. She's not going to care about your feelings. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. And then when she gets mad, it's going to be really intense. And I hope I'm not shouting out my microphone right now. But would mean Rachel care? No, she wouldn't care. She <laughs> shouldn't have that microphone. No, no. <laughs> it's funny. I think actually mean Rachel would keep just the tiniest bit of the Valley Girl. Um, like, I don't know, in playing with this. Because, yeah, you're right. She doesn't, she doesn't do any of that really in two or seven. She's very integrated. But I think her angry Rachel would still just be like the little bit of the cadence would be there still. I, I don't know. I would have to play with that and see what it felt like. Yeah, that's yeah, very yeah. good though. That's all right, amazing. Well, if, if all of our listeners go out and buy the audiobooks, then we can yeah. get Emily to record 32. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll get them to continue the contract. That's all I am very much hoping. So this week we read number 42, The Journey. We sure did. <laughs> I think we have to start by talking about, well, let's oh, fill Emily in on Grace's prediction. So okay. can we like re, just recreate this? Basically, it was like, so what's happening again? And you were like, well, you looked at the inside image. I looked at the inside And you cover. were like, they're small. Yeah. Or that's a boot. So Helmicrons again. Yes. And of course, you really wanted it to be Helmicrons again. We've spent so long knowing that you were going to get Helmicrons again. I'm so happy. <laughs> so I, I, this was maybe on the mailbag, but I did like a bingo card where 
I very badly predicted <laughs> things that might come up in the next many books. Had I known that I might have had a chance at some of these being correct, <laughs> I would have done a different selection of things. <laughs> So good. But You're one of them almost was guaranteed a bingo. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So Helmicrons coming back was one of them. So I've been trying to like figure out when the Helmicrons were going to come back in the hopes that I could check off that box. Mm -hmm. So many of the things that I will be predicting for the next 20 books are just going to be, I want her to have a giraffe more <laughs> so that I can check that box off, which will be a very bad strategy for everything except this book. This book. Okay. So, but, but then we were like, why are the Helmicrons back? And you're like, well, they want revenge. Uh -huh, right? uh -huh. And so then, like, how are they going to get revenge? So Gray says, I think it's going to be a magic school bus thing. They're going to go inside someone's body. And we're like, okay, and why are they doing that? Right. Because a Helmicron went inside someone's body and, like, holding the person hostage. We were like, whoa. And then Ted said, whose body? And Gray goes, Marco's. And <laughs> I were sitting there just, like, straight-faced, just, like, internally losing it. <laughs> I don't know how you keep a straight face. Oh, I know they're very really good at this. You are the queen of predictions. Absolutely so, the queen. And so Ted good. is literally bowing right now. <laughs> and the problem was, because this is going to be the problem for many of these books, is I started reading it. That <laughs> happened, and I said, Did Jenny write a book for me again? <laughs> <laughs> in between the time when you suggested that and then you start reading when you write the whole book. Yeah, days later. Yeah. She had plenty of time to incorporate it. <laughs> I mean, that. it is, yeah. COVID-19, I mean, we all have time. Yeah, there's lots of, dude, you have nothing better to do. I, I was, I mean, there were a couple oh, times man. in this book where I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure Jenny didn't write this because <laughs> I did not write I'm pretty this. sure, but I'm not 100% sure because a lot <laughs> of what I said is coming true. <laughs> Eerie, I'm still not entirely sure that someone didn't tell you what happened Nobody, in this book. Nobody, no, I, the, no, no, it, 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 was, it was organically created. It, it was sense. really good. Yeah. Really good. Thank right. you. I was there. You've, you've had some, some home runs before. This, this should not be new to this you. This is the best one, I this think. This one, I think, is the most epic. The thing where you said Marco. <laughs> okay, so you predicted it. Yeah. What did you think of it? I mean, it's one of the more, um, it's like an out of sequence one, right? It doesn't matter when it happens. It's very episodic. It's just kind of, they went on an adventure. Great job, them. Uh, yeah. It wasn't as funny as, as some of the. Yeah. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah. What did you yeah. think, Emily? I, <laughs> my biggest thought was, oh, this is a ghostwriter who would make the audiobook narrator do all the emotional work. Ooh. Um, there just was not, like, it was and interesting and entertaining. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have read this as a kid, even if I had still gone on in the series, because I grew up in a no medical household. Long story. Let's not go there. Wow. Um, so it was really interesting, especially right now with like the virus in town and yeah. like all of the like you know red blood cells fighting rabies and all this stuff. It was very interesting to me just from that perspective. I very much enjoyed it, but yeah, I, there was. Very little characterization. Um, I mean, I'm sure we will get to the fact that there is absolutely zero Rachel Tobias at all. Mm -hmm. Why? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, like, as I was reading, I, I, I read it this morning in panic because I forgot to read it. And then read it again tonight, you know, just now before the episode to really think through it. And I realized, oh, my gosh, like, I was using more of my narrator brain to read it and going oh my god I would have to do so much work because like as a narrator when a book is not written as strongly 
you have to create all of those emotional overtones. Like we're not getting in the text anything about how Rachel feels about anyone or anything. And that's my whole job as a narrator. And, you know, when a book is well-written, you just get to do it and it's easy. But when it's not as well-written, you have to come up with it all. So that was my biggest thought was like, oh, this one would, will be very difficult. <laughs> just more effort. Yeah. 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 It was like a light, fluffy, breezy. Like you yeah. said, it could, it could slot in anywhere. Yeah. It mm-hmm. Didn't leave a lingering impression, even though it's like return of the Helmocrons. It's like, <laughs> it's actually kind of not that. The Helmocrons yeah. actually aren't that exciting. Either, but no, which yeah. was well, disappointing. It wasn't as entertaining as 24 yeah. when the Helmocrons first showed up. Like I, yeah. I remember this one relatively well. This is probably the last one I remember to any significant extent. I remember a couple other things that happened, but like this is the last book where I could have really told you what happened in it. And I'm not sure why. I mean, I loved the Magic School Bus when I was a kid. So I think that's probably a big part of it. Like this is the Magic School Bus book. And uh, so I think I just really enjoyed that. I loved Rachel as a character and I guess I was glad she wasn't as terrible as she was in 37. So maybe that was why, I don't know. But this time, I don't know. I didn't get as much out of it. Do you want to tell us what happened in it, Gray? Yeah. No. Yeah, we haven't done that yet. <laughs> I mean, well, Gray told us at the end of the last episode yeah. what happened in it. <laughs> We've had the rough overview, uh, but I will give you the bullet point version of this. Let's see how well I do. So uh, this is a Rachel book, and uh, it begins with them on one of their, um, okay, escapade isn't the word. What's the word? Capers. Thank you. Opening capers. They do an I like escapade. <laughs> caper. This book. felt more like an escapade than a caper. It did feel. Yeah, like no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So they're on one of their opening escapades <laughs> um, at a Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, they they do this little mission. And at the end of it, a photograph is taken of the Animorphs mid morph, which I can only imagine looks like the middle picture of all of the cover. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so right. true. Yes. I very hate it. So they're now worried that someone out there has a picture of them morphing into human. This is a big deal. So they need to track down the the person with the camera. They meet up at the barn. And uh, while they're sitting around discussing this, I loved this part, a Barbie car drives into the barn. (laughs) And it turns out the Helmicrons are back. The Animorphs try to capture them. In the process of that, Rachel accidentally knocks out Marco. And while he is unconscious, the Helmicrons storm into his nostril and invade his body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now the Animorphs have to find a way to get the Helmicrons out of the Marco. And so they axe does a little bit of uh, technical work and finds a way to use the shrink ray from the Helmicron ship to shrink down the Animorphs, which he does. And uh, we'll talk about what happens next. <laughs> Very annoyed with them whatever it's fine, um, they get shrunk to a hundredth of the size of a Helmicron. They're very, very tiny, like grains of sand. Somehow they decide that it will still be a good idea to go <laughs> forward with this mission, question mark. So they also go into Marco's body. And so that part of the story is, from Rachel's perspective, is most of the Animorphs in Marco's body chasing down the Helmicrons and getting a lovely tour of Marco's uh, digestive system and circulatory system in the process. And during Magic School Bus, it's great. Um, and uh, they experience all kinds of the ways in which the human body is disgusting and eventually um, are able to capture the Helmicrons and everyone is able to escape from Marco's body. In the meantime, Marco mm. has trouble sitting still and following directions. 
uh, has his own set of chapters that he narrates where he is very aware that there are a bunch of Helmicrons and all of his friends just kind of hanging out in his body. And he decides that he is going to go and try and get the disposable camera that has the picture of the Animorphs on it, even though he has been told to sit still. There's a kid who has the camera and he goes to find it and in the process is bitten by the kid's dog, who, as it turns out, has rabies, which they don't try to fix at all. They just kind of are like, yeah, that pet had rabies. Surely that's fine. So Marco Marco, uh, has been infected with that virus and that is used as an excuse for him to make a number of very bad decisions, which include going (laughs) back to the home with the dog and the disposable camera, getting trapped in the kid's room and with his friends still in his body, morphing into Roach. They basically shoot their way out of Marco through his, Uh, cockroach spiracles, little air sac things. And they think that Marco is dead. He has been shot by the Helmicrons. They have have shot his heart. They are pretty sure he is dead. He is a roach. They are in this closet. Um, They are also still very tiny. And so they have to decide what to do. And somebody points out that roaches, as we've discussed before, are unkillable. Uh, And that turns out to be accurate. So they're able to convince Marco to wake up and demorph. He does. They get back to the barn. Everyone unshrinks, and the the Helmicrons agree to depart as as agreed upon. And Rachel does some research and realizes that Marco got rabies, and that is why he disobeyed orders and made stupid decisions and was overly aggressive. And she thinks I should I should tell Jake so that Mark is off the hook. Maybe I'll tell him tomorrow. That ends the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it. Had very few funny moments given yeah. the possibility for humor from both Marco and Rachel. Very few puns, considering it was the Magic School Bus episode, and that show is <laughs> yes. like forty-five percent puns. There was not very much, as we've discussed, Rachel and Tobias, which was very disappointing to me because I'm uh, that. yeah, there was zero. Like it was like zero, not even like a small amount. There was no yes. mention. They like turn on Rachel and Tobias? Like, is did Apple Grant decide, like, I don't know, we're not into that anymore? Like, because 37 was terrible for them. Okay. And then they better not, because I have 12 more books of this I have to read, and if there's no more good Rachel and Tobias <laughs> content, I'm going to be wrong. Don't worry, we'll write you a new book in okay. which there's good Rachel Tobias Great. content. That's yeah. all I really want. Okay. I'm very down for that suggestion. <laughs> oh, I do wonder, like, maybe Apple Grant loves the Magic School Bus, but the Ghost Rider was like, I, I don't know, oh, right? So they like interesting. If okay. they, yeah. like, unless, it does feel like a ghostwriter thing. Yeah. yeah, like Marco didn't even have any good jokes. Like at one point, he like lampshades. Like, sorry, I wasn't feeling funny, but it's I also Marco. this is like again, they're like at this point in the series, they're definitely scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of their ideas. So it's probably like. Catherine Applegate's like up late one night and like the magic school bus is on TV and she's like, all right, we got the next one. Let's go, Michael. I love the idea that magic school bus is on late night TV. It feels less, it it seemed like when I was reading it that if they pulled this from something, which is very likely, they pulled it from that movie that they mentioned not once, but twice, which let's talk about the implausibility of two of them having seen it. I'll buy Marco on a late night movie with his dad. I do not buy Rachel ever having seen this. I know. Girl is not here for. Tell us what movie it was. Oh, a uh, forgotten journey. No, it's a fantastic journey. It's based on a Jules Verne, yes. which had they mentioned that 
Rachel was also the one who read 20,000 Leagues. Oh, yeah. I believe she knows the book, she but not the knows movie. The book, but the movie was very surprising. The, the book I could have gotten for, the movie, yeah, no. She, she likes Raquel Welsh for being, like, another hot, like, almost Rachel. Okay. <laughs> okay, but there's no mention of that. Oh, no, she doesn't mention that. You're right. Mark uh-uh. is the one who mentions Raquel. Yeah, no, she put, she mentions it just in passing as like, oh, it's that movie. And then Tobias is like, oh, that was sci-fi, not horror. He said, yeah, that was sci-fi. This is more sci-fi. horror film, what we're living. Right, yeah. And then it's Marco who yeah. actually respells out the whole plot of the movie. Like, it was also just, they don't usually do that where two characters reference the movie like twice. Like, I don't know. Have any of you seen this movie? No. no. Okay. And we are of the inworse generation. Just, you know, yes. how implausible it was. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is like how in book six, they kept referencing the fly and clearly it yeah. had just been on TV. They both watched it and they were like, Let's write a book where this happened. They don't even right. They don't even reference the like the eighties The Fly. They're referencing the like fifties or early sixties The Fly. It doesn't make any sense. Yes. So what we're learning is that Apple Grant just had like TCM on loop. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, you should have. You should have had like they reference an old TCM movie. Yeah. Instead of a Star Trek. That would have been much better. Is there a Star Trek episode where they go inside like Spock's body or something? Uh, not that I know of. Again, we'll have to farm this out to our what, people with wider ranging Star Trek knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Listeners, yeah. tell us. Help us complete Grey's Bingo card. One of the things that was great about Megamorphs 2 was like, it was sort of like cutting edge dinosaur science, like at the mm-hmm. time, right? Mm-hmm. It was like cool that it was sharing like, oh, this is what happened with dinosaurs and the way, you know, the ecosystem evolved. Mm-hmm. This was not cutting edge anatomy. <laughs> anatomy, like there wasn't really anything interesting to be learned from this, right? No, I I didn't get anything out of it in terms of that. Like other than I think I know that rabies looks like little spiky vitamin pills. But well, did you learn the incubation period for rabies? Because it's much longer than twelve hours. <laughs> Is it longer than twelve hours? That it's mm-hmm. ten to sixty days, but it can be shorter. So maybe yeah. Marco had, but not okay. like two hours shorter. She seems like immediately after he gets bitten. Yes, it's true. It's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. Also, I definitely was thinking about spiky viruses while I was reading this. Did he get the coronavirus? Yes. <laughs> oh, it was so cutting edge. It was, it, it was prescient. So prescient. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, so I didn't, I'm not sure that I learned anything from this book. I did watch the Magic School Bus episode yesterday. <laughs> alongside Arnold's digestive system. What good research. And I do remember, I mean, at this point, I had seen it multiple times as a child. So I don't think I learned anything this time. But I did learn stuff from that episode as a child, much more than I learned from this book. Can I confess that I've never seen Magic School Bus? <gasps> I know. I don't know how I am our age and haven't. You can watch it. I mean, it's like, it's pretty silly. And I was yeah. not even exaggerating the percentage of the dialogue that is puns. But <laughs> that might be plus. I don't know how you feel about puns. So I have been afflicted by hearing them my whole life. So I am used to them. Right. So I do feel like there were a few things we were taught by this book about the human body. We were taught that there's enough light in the bloodstream for sharks to see. Which seems unlikely. Yeah. We, we were taught, I guess this isn't a human body thing. We were taught that if a shark is extremely, extremely tiny, it can still absorb oxygen from a passing red blood cell buffing against its gills. 
that I, even Cassie cannot explain. We learned that there's a lot of air in the stomach. Yeah. These are the things we that I learned. learned that a stomach acid cannot easily digest an elephant. <laughs> or a humpback whale. Or a humpback whale. Humpback whale is fine. It's a slow digestion is a slow process. Unlike yeah. humans, pretty realistic. which get who get digested very quickly, mm-hmm. and hum- and homocrons digest right up. I liked the description of the liver with the like lining up of the toxins go one way and the blood goes the other way, which doesn't feel like that's how that works. But I don't really know <laughs> like, anything. Which way is the heart from the liver? Either. It's up. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Cassie. So good. They almost get to the colon. That's that's amazing. You know what one of my favorite Cassie moments was? When they're in Marco's nose and they're like, oh no, a Helmicron got stuck in some sticky substance. And they're all like going around for a while. And then suddenly Cassie's like, wait, I understand. It's mucus. And I was like, was anyone asking this question? It was extremely obvious. Yes. Yeah. This is not at all one of the more important things, but... Uh, they're trying to decide how to go in after the Helmicrons, who, and I don't know, again, I'm trying to remember how tall they are from book 24, but like, I think like a 16th of an inch is what we, so I, I was decided. thinking ant, mm-hmm. right, is like kind of what I was, they just, might be a little smaller, but yeah, yeah. but like mm-hmm. the size of small ants, right? Oh yeah, the little teeny ants. Little teeny, yeah. like a yeah, sugar yeah. ant, right? And they're just trying to decide if they can morph something small enough to go in after the Helmicrons, and they go... I guess a flea is small enough to get into nasal passages. And then I went, ah, and maybe a tick. And then I freaked out and closed the book because no, <laughs> you can, no, ants in your na- nasal passages, that is horrifying. Uh-huh. Imagining a tick inside my nasal passages, I, ha- I had to take a break. But great, ticks are useless in battle. Oh, <laughs> you'd great. be fine. They never morph ticks. It's okay. I was so horrified. They never missed a tick. They they never do. Don't worry. Okay, thank God. (laughs) I don't have to give up on these books quite yet. No, it was terrifying. Also, like, poor Marco. Can you, like, ant? Couldn't they just have exposed him to some really strong pepper or something? Like, once, right, once they went into the nose? Yeah, just have him sneeze them out. Well, he does sneeze one out, right? And what happens to that Helmicron? I made a note. What happened to the sneeze Telmacron? We never hear. We never know. Is he alive? It's still out there. Wait. If uh, oh no, because the other Helmicrons didn't die. I was going to say maybe it absorbed all of the other Helmicrons' minds. No, it's still right. out there. Maybe it's individuating, and it will, you know, break off from the colony or form a new Helmicrony. <laughs> is it going to crawl? Is it going to like mate with? Insects? What is this it? Is where the borrowers oh, come. They might from. try to date a praying mantis and get killed. Praying <laughs> mantises are way too big for it. Way too big. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it needs to stick to the insectoid world. Also, like, listen, again, not that important, but like, you're in a veterinary clinic, uh-huh. right? Which includes small mammal work, right? They uh-huh. have raccoons and stuff all the time. Surely, one of the things they have is one of those like snot sucker bulb <gasps> things you have for small children. Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah, of course. Try that first. Well, but also, can we talk about the fact that the Helmicrons are in his nose for an hour before <laughs> the Animorphs go in, and they only get as far as halfway in his nasal passage? It definitely would have worked, right? <laughs> what? Very bad. They could have just shoved. Rachel should have just shoved her finger up his nose. She could have gotten the yes. Helmicrons. Squished him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Ah. It's disgusting, but well, it's not worse okay. than this. But the whole plan doesn't make any sense, right? So they're like, X, they're like, X, you can stay behind, you know, in case something happens. And then they're like, no, 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 we need X to come as well. So if the mission fails and Marco dies, they're just stuck as small people forever, right? Forever. Like they had no way out as soon as they did that. This and is they're, accurate. they're not worried about it at all. Do you know what else they're not worried about? They push the shrinking, right? And they uh -huh. shrink. And they shrink to the size of grains of sand. Mm -hmm. Clearly not the same size that they shrunk to the right. first time. Cassie this knows happened. she was there before. They also know how big the Helmicrons are and that they are clearly not that size. Marco knows that. And mm -hmm. yet they're still like, you know, it's a good plan going through with this mission. They could have unshrunk no. themselves, re-examined the machinery, fixed it, and shrunk themselves again. And they had already waited an hour. Exactly. I know. <laughs> Take a breath, spend five minutes fixing the damn machine, and yeah. go in at, you know, sixteenth of an inch size, not grain of sand right. size. That's yeah. useless. Measure, measure twice, shrink once. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. Even if they'd measured once and then gone back to shrink twice, that would have been better. <laughs> yeah, that was a, it was just a bad decision. And they, I was so annoyed with them for going through with the mission when clearly something had gone wrong. And rather than yeah, like, they had no plan. Just what, then if something has gone wrong and you have identified, like Cassie looked at me, something's wrong. Okay, well then you know what you should do? Try and fix that and mm -hmm. then go on this mission. Although I did really enjoy the thing where they're like, attack the Helmicron. And like, Rachel goes and stands on its foot as an elephant and like jumps up and down. And like, <laughs> you shall not crush the toe of the mighty Helmicron warrior. I also feel like I should point out, because this happens a lot when I've been listening to your episodes. It's like, I know that I am... Because of my job, I'm always going to try to find a way to explain something for the characters. Like, oh, no, that makes complete sense. And here's the emotional reason why. But, like, at what point can we say, okay, these kids are so damn traumatized by PTSD that they are incapable of making intelligent decisions ever. And so the moment they are in any sort of, like, intense or panicky or adrenaline-filled situation, they can't make good decisions. They are physically incapable of it. Their brains have rewired. They can't do it. I, I mean, that makes much yeah. more sense to me than my usual rant about them just being so dumb. Well, right. No, right. Because it's it's so absurd that they, and they've dealt with so many absurd things. And like half of them have like died and come back to life, mm -hmm. you know, like, so of course they're just going to be like, all right, yeah, we're in, we're in the stomach. We just got to <laughs> go whale again. When in doubt, Cassie turns into go a whale. Well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to, like, cross that particular Rubicon. I feel like once we start saying that, it's like you just can't take seriously anything they do or you just kind of have to write off everything they do. Because I, mean, I also feel like the books aren't taking a very consistent, like... No, because, okay, isn't the book before this the one where Jake has this, like, horribly traumatic vision of the future? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Which is not at all mentioned in this book. And you would think he would either, I don't know, share that information or like try to, pro I, where is that book? Like you, when you said, Gray, this is so episodic. He's Didn't not carrying like the mantle of leadership, book? right? Like, okay, so like. I don't remember anything he's done. He did right, right, right. So the book is like super fluffy. What are the potential themes? There's definitely a Rachel and Marco like dynamic, right? And I want to talk about that. Yeah. I'm going to pick with y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like Rachel and exploring the Rachel Marco dynamics mm -hmm. seems to be a thing the book is doing. But other than that, it's like 
rabies is bad. <laughs> like, I don't know what, I don't know what else you're supposed to get out of the book. Yeah. It's like, they don't even continue any narrative for Rachel. Like she does <laughs> some reckless stuff, but nothing out, nothing really outrageous. There's she like, decides to attack the Helmicrons moments before Jake orders them to attack the Helmicrons. That's so, totally normal for she Rachel. She swears reason. revenge because they killed Marco. Right? Reasonable. Like, that's also Very happened reasonable. before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was, I did like the thing where she, um, she and Marco are both like trying to fight the Helmicrons and she accidentally elbows Marco in the face and he falls and hits his head and that's why he's knocked out. Rachel's like, oh, these Helmicrons are the worst. And Cassie or someone's like, um, you knocked Marco out. And she's like, because they were distracting me. <laughs> Which was, yeah, ideal. Seems fair. Um, But I didn't feel like it was, like, new territory for her, or even, like, farther down the path than we saw before 37, which doesn't count, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, if it had been, like, Rachel is, like, killing off the Helmicrons one by one, and then we learned that maybe the Helmicrons Mm -hmm. are yeah, they're that not fungible entirely. Right? That would have been really interesting. And there was a bit in the beginning when Rachel is like, they're attacking only human controllers at the Dunkin' Donuts. And she's like picking oh, yeah. them up as an elephant and throwing them left and right. Yeah. But it's like, it's not really given any weight in terms of like, oh, is Rachel killing people for fun? Like, no, it's just kind of like they're in a normal yep. caper yeah. escapade. Well, yeah, but also the, the Helmicrons come back and actually the Animorphs have completely upended their society by encouraging the men oh, yeah. the Helmicrons to rise up and become a separate force. And there's like some throwaway line of like, well, maybe we can do something with that and like take advantage of this additional, you know, internecine conflict within the Helmicrons. And then never, not a they, thing. They don't act any different than the two ships the last time. Around. Exactly. Yeah. I'm very disappointed by that. I didn't even get the sense that they were like, oh, let's take advantage of that. The the thing I got was Jake just being like, great, more internal conflict. Great. Just what we needed. Like, it didn't feel, I don't know, maybe I read it wrong, but it didn't feel to me like, oh, let's take advantage of that. It was just sort of a throwaway. Huh? That sucks. You know? That's 100% true. Yeah. Which is pointless. Yeah. Should we talk Rachel Marco? Yes. What were you going to say about this? Okay. I, when I read these growing up, I was convinced that Marco was secretly in love with Rachel. Ooh. I'm not not convinced. I mean, like, that's why, you know, and, and, and I see that you guys, you, your conversation about, like, Rachel and Marco having their, like, comedic roles to fulfill and they know their place, but also I feel like that's, that's all Marco has. Wait, so, sorry to stop you. Have you read Megamorphs 4? No, not yet. Okay, uh, we, won't, we won't. We won't say anything. But no, no, say something, please. Say something. <laughs> so it's it's an it's an AU where they don't go through the construction site. Oh. And one of the twists to the formula is that Marco and Rachel start dating. See, I'm telling you, this one that's like, and I even like bookmarked like three spots in the book where I was like. Okay, there is definitely some, like, love triangle stuff here. Like, when Marco squeaks, this is so magic school bus. Rachel, have I ever told you that you could definitely be my Miss Frizzle? Like, I read that as a come on. Although then I was like, oh, wait, maybe that was an insult? But I don't know. Miss Frizzle seems like a cool teacher to me. Um, He hits on all the time. Also, by the way, that was the first time where I made a note that says, Jenny, did you write this book? <laughs> I'm lighting that I would never give Marco that line about Rachel. <laughs> so, but then there's the Rachel line where 
They're shrinking, 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 getting littler. And it says, Marco was peering down on us. His face was the size of a billboard on Times Square. If he'd been wearing Calvin Klein briefs and nothing else, the illusion would have been complete. Wow. <laughs> Almost. How is that not Rachel having secret hots for Marco? Like, weird. What? Say that Marco is cute in 32. And then... <laughs> For my hat trick of references that make me feel there's a love triangle here, it's uh, Marco's chapter where he's, uh, you know, not dealing well with what's going on. And he says, the truth, I was thinking about scribbling out a note, telling Jake to take my stereo after I was gone, explaining to dad what really happened to mom, telling Rachel about the dream where she begged me to marry her. Oh, come on. Okay. <laughs> Marco is dreaming about Rachel asking him to marry her. I think, Okay. I have not ever seriously taken, like, taken seriously the position that Marco is in love with Rachel. I like it, and I want to explore it. I also feel like there's a really strong element of, like, Rachel is this, like, beautiful, unattainable person, and Marco's dream, I mean, specifically, beautiful, unattainable girl, and Marco's dream is that she will beg for him, like, that she'll be in this, like, subservient position he'll have all the power and like it's such a power fantasy it's like i don't know it might also like there might be like deeper feelings there or just stronger feelings there than i've given him credit for but yeah i don't know that i i ever saw it when i was reading these growing up i don't know that i ever saw it as like strong feelings like you know otp or anything but like definitely <laughs> Definitely, like, Marco has the hots for Rachel and is too, like, embarrassed about, I don't know, being short or not worthy or whatever to ever, like, act on them. But that's where all of his, like, cutting remarks and his minor sexism at times is coming from, is from this, you know, fantasy fueled by power dynamics. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like also Rachel had the potential to be someone who dates for just, like, you know, because that's what you do. You date someone who, like gives you some kind of like fun like status or whatever at school because we see that in um in the separation in 32 and that's what we see in Megamorphs 4 where she's like no oh, maybe he's an acceptable person to date and like I think the thing where she fell for Tobias really took her in a completely different direction like yeah, this, yeah. she could have ended up someone who like is a reasonable counterpart for Marco's power fantasy I do wonder if that was like a if they are doing more with the Rachel Marco dynamic like later in the series. Mm. I don't know like where they were going with it. But like mm -hmm. I was thinking in 41 in the beginning, you have like Marco save Rachel's life and pull her away from the battle. Oh yeah, and then they, they have get, like, that a moment. Fight they get like a moment alley. together. Mm -hmm. right. That's interesting. Yeah, and they haven't been doing anything with Rachel Tobias, which is weird. I mean, really the only thing you see is when in 41, Jake's, you know, Tobias flies off in a huff and Rachel morphs Eagle oh, to go right. after him. And Jake mentions, you know, Tobias has been really messed up ever since the torture and like, that's it. That's all we get is like, Tobias has been really messed up. And like, I don't know, when I read it, I got the sense of like, that kind of, I mean, I feel like maybe it's too real for a middle grade novel, but like you go through torture like that, your relationship's going to suffer unless you're in therapy and none of these kids are in therapy and I want them all to have therapy. I know. It's on the go card. We haven't, yeah, that they go to therapy. <laughs> we haven't had a Tobias book since he got tortured. And I think it'll be mm. really interesting. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, well. that's up next. If there's next. to buy stuff in the next book. What even are they doing? How are they could doing? there not be? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm gonna absolutely lose my mind. I know, yeah. I know, like in the next one I don't remember super well. I know vaguely what the premise is. Wait, okay, I'm already gonna throw my premise out because I know it's gonna be wrong. It has to be wrong. But we're gonna have a Twilight style love triangle with Marco <laughs> and Tobias and Rachel. You're welcome. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. I'm fine with that. More OT3s in literature is just <laughs> my constant request. <laughs> oh, love triangle is different than OT3. Do you want Marco? Oh, good point. Do you think Marco and Tobias could be part of like a, a, a throuple? Or do you think it would have to be just well, like an open the relationship The next book situation? is a Tobias book. Maybe Tobias is the pivot point of the oh. love triangle. We haven't explored the Marco <laughs> Tobias. Well, there was a lot of teasing and then, or kind of <clears throat> maybe bullying. We were, we were debating the... The term. I don't know. Marco and Tobias have no chemistry. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why Marco was teasing him so much, though. And Tobias is a very beautiful bird. <laughs> We've heard that from several characters. And his human form has very dreamy eyes. Okay. All right. We'll return to this. <laughs> Gray's face is everything. Gray's face Just... is often everything. It's so I know, sad. Right? The listeners really miss to... out. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. at our live stream, that's right. They'll get to that's see right. her again. Thank goodness. Everybody calm down. This is my whole point. <laughs> I do, the thing that I like about Marco and Rachel is what I think they do well in Megamorse 4, which is I really like the kind of teasing relationships that mm-hmm. you see sometimes in romance novels. Not exactly like enemies to lovers, like not that trope, but just the kind of thing where they can... Banter buddies. Banter buddies. Yeah. Oh my God, I love that term. <laughs> you can have it. I just made it up. I love it very much. I just think that that's, it's like a really fun dynamic, one that I really enjoy reading about. So in Megamorse 4, for example, I was like, I ship it. That's fun. Like you guys are bantering. That's mm-hmm. adorable. What a great way. And like, because they are able to have that relationship, Marco loses some of his like asshole tendencies and becomes, a, I mean, we don't really see what happens, <laughs> but you can see him like when he realizes that what he's saying is actually misogynistic and like he is actually being kind of a jerk. And hey, there's this girl who likes me and I like her and she is reacting this way. I should probably stop that behavior. That would be a very good learning experience for him. Yeah. We don't see that in the regular series at all. And so that's where I get a little bit frustrated with him sometimes, but. Yeah, I feel like they're inconsistent with the, like, misogyny and stuff. Like, sometimes it's like, oh, Marco was great in this, not misogynistic at all. And then you'll get a book where... It's like, oh, Marco needs to make a joke. We'll use something misogynistic. And I feel yeah. like it's a like a real problem with the ghostwriters, like that inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But even, I mean, you know, in like the first 15 books, there are a bunch of jokes about him being like a peeping Tom or whatever, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I mean yeah. specifically the inconsistency, not oh, the oh, oh, misogyny, see, which see. seems to be part of his character. Like, I mean, we can talk about that as a different problem, but like the the thing where sometimes it seems like he's growing beyond that, like, we saw in and then sometimes he's and, Visser, and then yeah. sometimes which maybe he's just like learned that it's wrong but still does it sometimes because he's a kid and he's a human and that is one thing yeah. that i love about <laughs> the series overall though right or this kind of series where you, it's episode by episode and a slice of life mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. partly just the way that it was written there we know for like um Doyleist reasons that it's inconsistent mm-hmm. because it was written by like 15 different people right, over, right, over right, 20 right. books Mm. Um, but internally it's kind of like, yeah, the Animorphs can be complicated characters because sometimes they're yeah. more mature and sometimes they're not. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, just really fast, another ghostwriter kind of inconsistency thing that I found in this one was I, I was interested that Rachel uses the elephant morph so much. We haven't really mm. seen the elephant oh, morph. Oh, she uses it a lot. She goes grisly for like two seconds once. Yeah, but her yeah. battle morph in this book is the elephant morph, which it hasn't been since pretty early on. 
Yeah. When she got the grizzly, that's pretty much what she's done. Uh-huh. Maybe, do you think that they decided on the cover animal first? Yes. And that's yeah. why, yeah. Actually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, yeah, this is something you know, right? They pick the cover animals. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. This. Oh, I'm no, just but saying. wasn't there something about how, like, they had no control over the covers or something like that? Or the titles, or the titles were a scholasticy thing. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. you said that before that Scholastic chose the titles. I imagine that they're also like kind of running out of cool animals. <laughs> I mean, they have not yet done. They haven't even morphed a Helicron. Come on. Yeah, but they also haven't done uh, giraffe mm-hmm. uh, or hyena. hyena or giant giant anteater or whatever else the other <laughs> thing is that's on my bingo card. So uh, right, get it together, you guys. <laughs> Yeah, the morphs into a giant, giant anteater, where it's like it morphs and it's just the snout of the anteater. On yeah. The <laughs> I will say, I can totally come up with, because this is literally my job, I can come up with a plausible reason why she might have chosen elephant instead of grizzly. Like is maybe. That, is it because she was tiny and wanted to feel big? <laughs> I mean, that's an excellent reason. No, I was going with something more like. You know, she was feeling so um, scarred from still dealing with the the mean Rachel, nice Rachel, that she didn't want a, a battle morph that she could be completely out of control with. So she picked an elephant, which she has more control over. That's where my brain jumped. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, Maybe because like her that. reaction to 37, she's been like stepping back. Hmm. I, I'm sorry. I'm not comfortable with any characterization that involves 37. I, I shouldn't even have said that. <laughs> It's too poorly written to have characterization depend on. I like the idea that they were like, we have to do an elephant book because it's on the cover. And then they were like, okay, what if it's a really small elephant? (laughs) (laughs) I think they've done that on the cover. Turn into an elephant that just is really, really Yeah, just shrink to an elephant. That'd be great. Um, Hey, just really fast, speaking of um, 37, but the real 37, the one that Jenny wrote, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Axe says to Marco, I would strongly advise Marco not to morph while we are inside his body. As far as I know, this is an unprecedented event. (laughs) (laughs) There is no way to predict what the redistribution of his mass into Z-space and the substitution of a foreign DNA will do to our miniaturized bodies. (laughs) And I said, damn it, Jenny, my first thought was they did this with the escort in 37. (laughs) Be like, they did Why it. space? Jenny did that. <laughs> well, it makes sense. The foreign DNA thing, it makes sense that they would just be shuffled around on the inside, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, that kind of is what I would expect to happen. Mm-hmm. It would be weird if they got shunted into Z-space as part of, like, the morphing field or something. Sure, like, that yeah. would be weird. <laughs> my, All right, fair grade. Fair my 37-related thought was that when they were in the stomach and having the acid problem, they should have just morphed wood frog. That's what I said too. They specifically acquired that. (laughs) Okay, but you guys, why didn't they acquire helicrons? Like there's the whole thing where, well, I guess they were in morph, but they could have acquired helicrons and become helicron size. Of course, then they would have, I guess, had to fight them as helicrons and that might not have been very successful. But it would have been better than this. Can you acquire the helicrons if they're like mushrooms? (laughs) Well, they seem to only be like mushrooms. They they seem to also be animals of some kind. My brain just sees the little um, that claw. And that's, what, <laughs> that's what I see. I know. I like. I read the description of like the upside down pyramid head. I can't. I just see that claw. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like that. That's, that's, that's my, my head cannon. That's my head cannon. Helicrons. Like most of the aliens, they make up the helicrons are impossible to imagine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're just like real weird. 
Yeah. And Mostly then, I picture their little like shiny outfits or whatever. Mm. Yeah. They, oh my gosh, they would have been naked Homicron if they'd morphed them. That would have been too scandalous. That's why they didn't. Would Omicron brain, would it have been a problem like a high vamp? Oh, you're so right. Maybe it would have been a problem like the Howlers. Maybe they could have infected all of the Helmicrons. Mm. Wait, no, no, no. They're fungible. They're not a hive mind. Oh, so it's the opposite. It's only if they become a, if they die as a it's Helmicron. It's only if they die as a Helmicron. <laughs> so in order to rid the galaxy of the scourge of the Helmicrons, one of them needs to morph Helmicron and die. And then start killing all the other Helmicrons. It's That's like Jet Li's the one. <laughs> Wait, important question. Maybe I just missed it. Why did they have to drive the Barbie Jeep with their ship? Oh, their ship was broken. That's why they wanted the Escafil device so that they could jumpstart. Uh, and they also wanted to take it with them. Okay. I read that book twice and missed that point. Okay. It's it's unclear. I think, I, I mean, it's awesome. That but also they needed to drive car. a yeah. Barbie car. Um, Gray, do you have any thoughts about Cassie's strategy for soaring the Escafil device? <laughs> Yes, I do. I do have <laughs> some thoughts about that. Thank mm-hmm. you for asking, Ted. I'm really glad you've given me this opportunity. She is storing the Escafil device in the chest freezer in the barn where her father stores like grubs and stuff to feed the animals and also like apparently animal parts for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to know. Um, and she's like, it's very gross in there. No one is going to look. Couple things. One, your dad obviously goes in there yeah. several times a day <laughs> to get frozen grubs or whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's a terrible place to hide it. And second, Noah said this before, but I still don't understand it. If it, it breaks apart into smaller pieces, <laughs> why are you storing it as a single device? Okay, we've never seen it break apart, But though. they said it did! No, no, no. Tobias said it did, and he might have just been recalling the fake-out in 22. <sighs> You have to keep and learning things. You're right. It, it has been strongly implied that it breaks apart. At the end of the book, she finds a new place to hide it, but does not disclose it to Rachel and the other animorphs. Because apparently, somewhere different on Cassie's yeah. farm is the best place to hide the That's so, Wait, why shouldn't the other animorphs know? For security. Air quotes. They already, if any of them, like, gets captured or whatever, the yours will know everything that yeah, matters. That is like, the least important thing that will happen. Yeah. Also, by the way, did you know that she um, stored it in the freezer in part so that no living creature could accidentally come in contact <laughs> with it? And I was... Fair, fair. Yeah, you don't want another ant, Cassie. Wait, that implies that our theory that Cassie had to be touching it at the same time was just not true. Or Cassie might not know, but Cassie doesn't know. Yeah, Certainly I mean, the also Ghost the did not Buffalo wasn't touching it at the same time as her, but I hate these books. <laughs> I don't. I love these books. I was gonna say that was a quick turnaround. <laughs> no, I love she them. Said it I before. just before. I just sometimes I'm like, I can't believe that I have to remember this nonsense. <laughs> she has a complex relationship with these books. That's fair. Much much like these characters, <laughs> I contain multitudes. Yes. Yes, inconsistent. <laughs> no, you have very consistent characteristics, I feel like. <laughs> I think like, there are most three left that are bad. Okay. Really? At most. Really? That's what I think. Okay, okay. Okay. That's not bad. I can take that. Like, they could be in your, like, actual bad quadrant. Okay. Not just, like, average. There are only 12 but... left. Right? We're 42. Wow. Yeah. Plus the Elvis Chronicles. 13. Oh. 13 wow. Not ready. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Maybe we'll be out of quarantine by that time. <laughs> oh, oh too real. Oh, too implausible. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. 
I have, just while we're speaking of things that annoy Greg. <laughs> yes. Excellent. A good category. Favorite part of the episode every week. <laughs> um, I, I would like to talk about the chief. Ooh, okay. Uh-huh. And their complete uselessness. <laughs> Amen. You know that they can't follow people? I didn't know that, but I learned that here. Why? Okay. Jake makes them get Eric to watch the, the kid with the disposable camera with the picture of Ben Midmark, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says, Eric won't be able to follow the kid with the camera if what? he leaves the building, but at least we'll know where he is. Two things. If Eric can't follow him, you don't know where he is. That's how following works. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and two, why can't he follow them? What? I think it was just poorly edited. It's Eric won't be able to, like, apprehend or, like, stop or, you okay. know, get the camera from him. Okay. But he will be able to I also him. flag that as a WTF. Yeah. WTF. I did Maybe well. the chief have taken a vow of, like, privacy. <laughs> no stalking. Maybe. <laughs> um, and then the, the other thing about the chief that they do is, um, so they, one of them is watching the front of the building where this kid lives in order to keep, um, to keep watch, to decide whether that person is, is there or not. Um, they also show up for dinner as Jake, Rachel and Cassie, which I appreciated. Sure. Good. We've seen them do that before, but then this is while Marco is making bad decisions because he has rabies that he got half an hour ago. Um, (laughs) And he is, he he is going back to uh, try to get the, the camera and there's a chi who's still on guard and that means the camera is still inside. And Marco thinks, for about half a second, I wondered if I should ask for his help. Maybe he could throw a hollow hologram around me and make it easier to sneak into the apartment. Rejected the idea. It would probably violate the cheese code of nonviolence. What a joke. What? <laughs> it would literally be making there be less violence because you yeah. would be hidden from the people against <laughs> have to perpetrate violence or from whom you would be getting the violence so yeah what are you talking I think that's about just marco being all rabid <laughs> as he was during okay. much of this book fine sure and you know making bad decisions because that she would obviously be able to throw a hologram around marco like that's what they do that is a thing that they do which i just want to say like we're not taking enough advantage of as a team the mm-hmm. fact that Fair. holograms exist, not taking enough advantage of that. Do really not. Yeah. yeah. Very good point. You reminded me, though. I completely forgot about the kid in the camera element of the, <laughs> the story. We haven't <laughs> talked about that at all. I, there are two things that I like about it. One, I like, like, an annoying kid takes a picture of them as, like, a low-stakes problem they have to mm-hmm. solve. Because it's like, yeah, they are a bunch of traumatized child soldiers. But this is like, yeah, sometimes this like this random kid takes a picture of them yeah, and then we have dangerous. to go deal with it. Sure, with your disposable camera. I also really love when there's, there's shenanigans. <laughs> they can't morph. Because like mm-hmm, having mm-hmm. Marco try and break into some kid's bedroom when yeah. he can't oh, morph. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> whatever excuse they, as, as ridiculous as the excuse is, I did yeah, enjoy that true. little bit of business. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, oh, no, I'm going to get sent to juvie or whatever. Yeah, he does that, yeah. Oh, I had a question related to if Marco had not been a, a doofus and had asked the Chi to provide a hologram for him, mm-hmm. can dogs see through holograms? <gasps> oh, yeah. No, they could definitely they smell, smell him. him. Yeah, it wouldn't have helped that much. 
but it would have protected him from like he could have gone into the hallway where the parents were mm-hmm. and gotten out that way. Like he would have. He could have climbed up the chi so the dog couldn't get him. Couldn't couldn't Eric just <laughs> climb up a fire escape and like go go gadget into the room and pick up a camera? Yes, like, I don't that understand. is the best solution. Why didn't they do that? You I actually don't entirely know. Entirely correct. Reason nonviolent. I'm, what? No, is, you're 100% correct. Is Eric Inspector Gadget? Is that, does he have like little spring arms and legs and stuff? You know, okay, we posited at one point, this is getting way off track, but what? <laughs> we're like, no one's ever found out about the chi. That must mean they're like, I don't know, doing away. This is on our mailbag episode, so I think you missed it, Emily. But like, that must, what are they doing to the people who find out about them who like, you know, never spread the word? It might be something shady. And we're like, no, probably it's just that, like, what do you do when you find out there are androids? Probably not that much. And what if one thing that someone did was get inspired by Eric and make Inspector Gadget? Mm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Canon. Elaborate it, Canon. <laughs> also, just adding justifications that probably aren't necessary, but nevertheless, my brain came up with them. So here they are. Is that we, like... I'm not sure middle schoolers are the best at using the resources and systems available to them. Given that my sister is a middle school history teacher and knows this demographic real well, and how often I have to hear her complain about like, I have given them the systems to succeed and they don't take advantage of them. How much of them not using the chi is not the chi's fault, but is the fact that these are middle schoolers who just don't get it. Yeah, they, they could use help. That's a good point. Yeah, they what the Anwarfs edit out is like they're like, ah, oh, Eric keeps calling us with his suggestions, but he's so annoying. <laughs> Maybe don't do that thing. <laughs> what a crazy suggestion. We're obviously going to do that thing. So I, yeah, okay. Is there anything else to say? I I have a couple of like funny moments and a few <clears throat> '90s moments. Okay, good. There yeah. was some good. It was kind of funny. Sometimes. Yeah, it wasn't like as funny as some of the other books have been, especially given when Marco had his first chapter of narration. Mm-hmm. I was very excited because I thought this is great. Like I'm going to see you know Marco freaking out about having his friends like mm-hmm. inside his body. That is some pretty serious body horror. Like I'm excited to see how Marco reacts to that. And it was not funny or entertaining at all. Mm-hmm. But there were some funny moments. Uh, there was a, a great Monty Python reference that I particularly appreciate. Oh, I completely missed that. Was? Yes. Where? It is the French taunting. Yes. Yes. So what what happens is, so he says, I'm going to find the exact (laughs) reference, but he says, I will sneeze in your general direction. That's not the quote. Um, And I was like, (laughs) come on, hilarious. Um, Adapted for middle grade. Yeah. So, so Jake says to the Helmicrons, surrender and we'll let you live as our defiled feet. Oh wait, no, that's definitely gotta be the Helmicrons talking. No, no, he's he's like trying to be all hell. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Surrender, surrender now, surrender, and we'll let you live as our defiled beasts of burden. Resist us, and and we'll sneeze in your general direction. Very original, <laughs> whisper. <laughs> totally in Marco's nose. Yeah, yeah I, that that was my. I thought that was very funny, um, and I feel like Marco would have really appreciated that, although he was not That's so tr- there for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was very entertaining. I enjoyed the exchange. I enjoyed a couple of exchanges with Axe. Mm-hmm. One, where oh, yes. They're in Marco's nose. And he says, Prince Jake, I should morph first. I think my hopes will slow me down in this terrain. <laughs> and I was like, this is just an excellent example of like Axe's dry humor. But then it occurred to me that 
we learned in 17 that andalite hooves can like sort of close, oh. but like not reliably. And so, yes, Axe was reluctant to walk through Marco's nose. That is so disgusting. I'm really glad you pointed that out, but also really unhappy. <laughs> I'm oh. glad I can inspire these conflicted oh. Gross. Did um, you pick up on the Axe Marco shipping moment? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, <laughs> I did. It's before they're about to shrink. Why have I lost it? It's like, why is Axe going to stick around? Is this the eeny, meeny, miny, moe moment? No, it's the pulling no. his hand. I did like that eeny, meeny, miny, moe where he goes, I would miss Saturday morning cartoons. Yes, that was my other great ex. Like, and he just sounded so mournful in my head when he said that. I would miss them. <laughs> I thought that was so cute because Axe says, like, he's trying to make decisions. He says, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. And they're like, uh-oh, you're like too human. You're never going to fit in with the Andalites anymore. And he's like, that's okay. I would miss Saturday morning cartoons. That is heartbreaking. Yeah. Ugh. Also, that he would miss Saturday morning cartoons, but not the Cinnabon? Priorities. Yes. <laughs> Incorrect. Oh, I found the thing. Yeah. So when uh, when they're deciding whether Axe should stay behind or go uh, up Marco's nose, no, Marco shook his head. If you don't mind, I'd rather have the maximum firepower working to make sure none of those things happen. What's Axe going to do for me here? Hold my hand? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> See, I have been watching way too much K-pop where like male affection is completely platonic and normal. And so none of those moments read as a ship to me. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so great. And yeah, I'm like, we just need more like platonic male affection. Too. <laughs> it's true. It's true. By toxic masculinity. Amen. I have one more um, funny moment, which was uh, Marco is is still very angry because of the um, rabies, probably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's like, uh, this whole thing is Rachel's fault. She hadn't hit me. And uh, they say, Axe, tell Marco to stop whining and thank us for saving him from a life under the kitchen sink. Axe did. Here's what I know, Marco said. <laughs> Remind me to send flowers after I save your sorry butts. <laughs> yeah, the joke's about I they can't hear Marco, that. but he's yeah. predictable. Yeah. yeah. I had a couple, yeah, a couple of weird things. So I loved Rachel's description of the Escafil device. It's the device they use to transfer the morphing power to an individual, kind of like a super advanced alien battery. What does she think batteries do? Yeah, also, <laughs> and I know I said this the first time this came up, but like, why is it also a battery? When it's well, not batteries that. connect our world to electricity space, right? <laughs> East space, as we call it. Yeah. East space. East space. Oh God. Thank you. Stop it. Oh, is that where the cloud is? East space. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. Emails. Got it. That's why you need like a battery in your laptop or whatever, because otherwise your laptop won't connect. Right. To space. Right. It's the adapter. Yeah. East space adapter. You guys, I had a wonderful transcription error in mine. I assume, Ted, you also had this. So Marco is fighting Fido, this dog. I don't know if that's actually the dog's name. No, his name is Buster. Buster. Right, okay, this is the first invasion then. He's fighting this dog that he's named Fido. And Fido has just clamped down on his arm and left, like, teeth marks. Yeah. And I think he's, like, fought free, but Fido is, is growling at him. And... I looked up in my paper copy because I was like, this can't be right. And it's, he growls like R, like A with like four R's or whatever. But in my book, 
It was arm, colon, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Fido growled quietly. <laughs> I mean, I kind of love that. <laughs> yes, I love that this dog... He yes. knows what he wants. He wants more arm. <laughs> well, possibly this dog, when biting Marco, somehow, through the oh rabies, I don't know, acquired the morphing power and is now <laughs> the uh, pit bull human. Yes. Okay. Pit bull human. Buman. <laughs> the pit human. <laughs> um, so then Marco goes home with this dog bite in his arm, and he goes, I put on a long sleeve sweatshirt. Couldn't let dad see my wrist. And by the way, I just want to, as queen of predictions, I want to point out that my note there was, Marco, you need to go to the doctor, dummy. You're going to get rabies or something. Yuck! Yeah. And, and he did. Ray. Oh my gosh. But also, and I just, also, this family, who we don't, we don't know who they are. We have no information about them, except they have a child and their parents and the kid has a disposable camera and also a dog. The dog's name is Buster. This is all we know about this family. They are living with a dog who has rabies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me tell you about why that is a bad thing. <laughs> tell rabies, as you may know, is real bad. You yeah. want to get it. And I feel like, although I understand that this is going to be very hard to explain, they have a moral obligation mm. to find this child and be like, leave a note. Hey, <laughs> your dog has rabies. I can't tell you how I know that, but I do. And you need to get it to a vet so that it can be put down humanely. They, they might have done that because at the end of the book, Rachel, well, Rachel should have told someone right away. But what is that ending? That doesn't feel like Rachel at all, but go on. Yeah. But also it seemed like the family was catching on. They were like, what's wrong with Buster? Although maybe that was because there was an intruder. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. And it's You're like right. in the kid's bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's not like we walked our rabbit dog in the bathroom because nope. it was freaking out. Nope. Like. It is, it strains credibility even for me. Like, like I said earlier, like I grew up in a a non-medical household of any kind, but at age seven, my parents told me about rabies and how to be very careful if any of the neighborhood dogs bit me because it was important because rabies was bad. So even in a non-medical household, I didn't take biology. I didn't do anything. I knew rabies was really bad. Yeah. We're an entire generation of children (laughs) who watched Old Yeller. Like, (laughs) there is one thing we know. It is rabies plus dogs is very bad. Very bad. I also really wanted the rabies, like, virus to be more of a thing when they were like inside Marco's bloodstream like I was hoping mm. it would become a plot point in a way yeah. other than just making Marco make worse decisions than usual yep yeah agreed also I have a question that I'm not sure we have an answer to but I was curious is part of the implication that by morphing and morphing back he no longer has rabies yes yes so okay couple things <laughs> uh, how and also why and also, they will never be sick again. Yeah. Because, well, except for Yamfoot, which they got. Yamfoot. Which they got in 29 or second to least favorite book, which uh, uh, special uh, and light disease. So I'm it does affect that book. But, like, you know, you get a common cold, that's a virus. Yeah. You just morph, you morph, you morph back, you don't have a cold anymore. Apparently not. You no. get the flu, you morph out, you morph out. You get coronavirus, yeah. you morph out, you morph out. This is the cure. Okay, we, we just need to give everyone morphing power. This but is- it still doesn't make any sense because if everything that was in your bloodstream changed when you, you know, went through Z-space or all of that, 
why are they still in his bloodstream? Uh, 100% accurately <laughs> yep, true. Yep. Also, Whoa, why yeah. do you still have like a gut bite? Yeah, it's like also all the bacteria in your gut. Yeah, they didn't really address that. They're, okay, they were very selective in the things that yes. like they got too tiny to hear normal sound waves, but they could hear dog sound waves. Um, and but they could still interact with normal oxygen molecules. Like there was a lot of really yeah. strong inconsistency. This is, I mean, listen, Marco eventually morphs, and so he's fine. But do you know what happened to him in the like two hours between when they got into his stomach and when he morphed and morphed back? He got sepsis because <laughs> that is what happens when you slice open your stomach and your. I wondered. Get into yeah. your bloodstream. I wondered. Yeah. Does that cause rage? Because that would be more plausibly <laughs> fast acting than the rabies. Like he would have been. I mean, he died in those two hours. Like that's yeah, just what yeah, you, yeah. You, you don't survive. I think it was actually longer than that. I feel like maybe not. I don't know. So I also want to complain. So like the rabies thing kind of doesn't go anywhere, and then the Helmicrons kill him. That's very upsetting. Yes. Rachel gets understandably upset and yeah. like kind of swears yeah. revenge and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he's he's like a you know a dead roach hanging out. And then the animorphs are like, maybe he's not dead. <laughs> and then they all Shut try and wake him. him up. And there's like a nice passage about how they all take different approaches. And then Rachel's like, yeah, and I don't actually know if any of that helped. And then Marcus started demorphing. <laughs> it's just like it's like. So like magic, like yeah, lucky like, Marco, because aren't because they're still too small for even to hear Marco's sound waves anymore. So there's no right. way Marco can hear them. Well, they were thought speaking, I guess. No, they were in human form. Oh no! Yeah, Marco was. He was small. a roach, right? Oh, no. But so it's it's like, and then and then basically the Helmicrons are like a complete non-threat. Mm-hmm. Right, they're just like okay. Now just untrink us and go we away. We have dragon beams now. Right, it felt so untidy. Why do Helmicrons have dragon beams? Oh, I don't think it was exactly that. I think it's like special Helmicron energy weapon. No, but they call it a dragon beam. They do. How would they get them that small? Uh, yeah. Also, don't they have their own thing? Like, what? That's I think your they thing. do have their own thing. I don't know why they. I don't know what they call them in twenty four. But they called it a dragon beam. The more that we talk about it, the worse. <laughs> That's it's true. so true. This <laughs> does not hold up. Wait, speaking of bad things, Gray, did you enjoy this morphing description? No. My, <laughs> my tusks went flaccid like two overgrown pieces of spaghetti. Did not enjoy that. They slurped up into my face, slapping side to side. Like oh, oh. I hated everything about it. <laughs> not a good enough reason to oh. use the word flaccid. All of it was very bad. <laughs> Story, did you guys know that the word flaccid should be pronounced flaccid? There's a handful of things you learn when you go into audiobook narration and you start talking to people who've done this for like 30 years. And there's like a handful of words that we all say incorrectly now, but it's now the standard pronunciation. Flaccid instead of flaccid. Covert instead of covert. Like, just side note, fun story. You're welcome. I like covert. I hate flaccid. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's worse. Is it worse than flaccid? Somehow it is. Okay. I don't know why. Yes. The X sound just means it's very good. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. I feel like I would really enjoy that process because uh, the, the process of learning the correct pronunciation for things because I pr- mispronounce things constantly. Mm-hmm. Like half the edits we do to this podcast is Gray saying a word and then not knowing how to say it right. 
like constantly. Um, <laughs> and so it would be really nice to like know how things are actually properly pronounced. I didn't start doing that until I got into audiobooks because, you know, like you guys, I grew up reading. So if you didn't know it, you kind of guessed and moved on and yeah. that was it. And then uh, you only have to get a handful of books where you have like 200 corrections before you're like, I will now look up every word I even slightly doubt. <laughs> never mind. Never again will I have any pride. So. <laughs> Very nice. So, okay. No pride. When you come across the word flaccid in, in, a, in a book you're reading, do you say flaccid? No. Now you say flaccid. And in fact, veteran narrators get really annoyed now when they are given corrections because they said flaccid and it's not the commonly accepted pronunciation anymore. And so they have to correct Oh, the correct pronunciation. That I must be so it. frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. There's a handful of those, yeah, th that, I mean, even I've gotten them sometimes where you're like, but that is, uh, okay, fine. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a party. So a couple, a couple other things before we get to 90s moments. Ted, you mentioned that the camera thing is kind of like a low-stakes mission. You know what's not a low-stakes mission? The Yerks making personal candronas yep. for all the controllers. Such a minor, it's like, oh yeah, that's bad. Oh well. Like yeah. they're doing it in a Dunkin' Donuts factory. It's also, and so the Animorphs just trash it and they're like, yeah, it's not a problem anymore. It's a really good Yerk plan. It's yeah. a really good Yerk plan. Yeah. They came up with a Soraya good plan. must have told them to do it before she died. Exactly. Yeah. Although it does come right on the heels of the like Jake 10 years in the future with them turning the moon into one. So I, I got, I kind of mixed up uh, the two and was like, wait, which, which Yerk Candrona plan is this? We have to stop, but we're not stopping it. I got very lost in all of that. Yeah. Why do they need to turn yeah. the moon into a Candrona if they have all these personal ones? Well, the animorphs scrapped. Oh, the animorphs ruined <laughs> they, their factory. They ruined it once. And yeah. they can never do it again. They can yeah, only do got it. Once. Got it. Thank goodness. Because otherwise, this would be a good plan, and I'm glad it'll never come back. Okay, so my other thing, uh, they're talking about, well, the Helmicons will die in the bloodstream, right? Because they have to breathe. And Axis like, maybe they don't breathe. And This whole conversation. <laughs> and then someone was like, well, all living things breathe. And Axe says, trees don't, trees breathe, don't breathe. And yet they're alive. And I was like, Axe. Trees breathe. Do andalite trees not? Yeah. Breathe? They talk, <laughs> but they don't breathe. <laughs> I'm so fascinated now by what andalite trees are like. That is all. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good oh. point. But also, another question that I had about just Helmicrons and their biology in general is at one point they say, they say something like, this human is full of dark caverns. Yeah. What are Helmicrons full of? I mean, I guess they're. Yeah. Mushrooms, bizarre, there are no caverns. <laughs> he says, bizarre lightless caverns and caustic fluids. And I was like, quick question. What were they expecting exactly? Like, do <laughs> Helmicrons not have internal organs? Do they have an exoskeleton? Like, what are Helmicrons made of? Wait, so wait. There's, no, there's no doctor or, like, biology or, like, exploration of dead bodies, obviously. They just are not curious about their own bodies. If they die, they die. <laughs> Oh, so dumb. Ugh. All right. Are we ready for 90s I'm moments? Ready for 90s I'm moments. ready. There weren't that many, were there? Horrible mm. camera is a great 90s moment. There are yes. moments. This is 2000. Oh, You're right. But there are, I mean, there are a lot I, I of references the word to the terrible, 90s. But... It is terrible, yeah. I feel like we had a lot of repeated 90s moments. Like, there was another Titanic reference. Mm -hmm. The Gap came back. Yeah. yeah. It was almost like this ghostwriter wasn't good like maybe the jokes that she had written weren't good enough and so they just pulled some old ones from old books and just slapped them back in 
because yeah. Marco referenced Jim Carrey again. He wasn't mm-hmm. in a Jim Carrey kind of space. Marco says, I already used my honey, I shrunk the Animorphs joke the last yeah. time they yeah. were around. We had the pink and aqua Barbie four by four. That was amazing. I really wanted one of those. So I was super excited. We got to see one of those. <laughs> I do not remember Dunkin' Donuts uniforms being Pepto-Bismol pink and, and like purple. purple. Like that, that, that sounds like, like their colors. Is that not, that's probably not their Well, now it's more it's orange. Colors, but for sure. Yeah, mm. like it's definitely pink and purple. I just don't ever remember their uniforms being pink and purple. So I felt like that was probably a 90s reference. They might have abandoned those. I grew up in the West. We had like one Dunkin' Donuts in all of our town. So nobody went to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> that's an East Coast thing. Wait, why is there a Dunkin' Donuts in LA or San Diego? There are some on the West Coast. Like there, there are some uh, other places. Like one yeah. there, yeah. Um, there's the... There's magic school bus. Magic school bus, yep. There's yes. the American Girl dolls. And the borrowers. Littles, the borrowers, Thumbelina, and Friends. Three very excellent what references. Oh, they're so good. They're, nice. I mean, you know, little people like the borrowers. Yeah. 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 Wait, wait. Cute. I don't know if this, this was such a weird phrase. It might have been like an ebook transcription error. I'll handle the kid, Marco said. One homie shutterbug. What? Are you I... calling him like a homie? Like what? <laughs> What is this? I feel like that must have been a hold on. Let's look at. Nope. That's what it says. Okay. All right. Great. Just check it. Well, but it's not spelled like homie, like yo homies. It's like homie, like at home. H-O-M-E-Y. That's a different version of homie. I guess it's like he stays home. Oh, it's yeah. completely weird. It's really it weird. Any sense Not at all. a thing, Marco. Cool. Or- Maybe he was trying to go for like couch potato, but got homey instead. <laughs> right, right. Homely? It's Maybe got- he just thought the kid was oh, very attractive. Oh, <laughs> this poor kid. We get nothing about him ever. As a rabbit he, he's dog. Gonna, he's going to get rabies. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. He might already have it. Oh, oh man. Okay. It's dark. Also, just as this isn't a '90s thing, but as a side note, the the like really quiet references that Marco makes when he goes to that kid's place by himself, and he's like, "This isn't a neighborhood people choose to live in. I should know," and stuff like that. I was like, "Ooh, dark, Marco, dark." Yeah. But also, no compassion at all for it. Right. None. No. Just like that sucked. And then it was like, "Oh, well, he had rabies. That's why." I was like, "Come on, okay. <laughs> wow, yeah, this one." I just, I had actual memories of this one, and I, I'm so sad that they didn't live up to their magic school bus potential. I know. All right, any last thoughts, or can I go on to predict 43? Oh. Can we go on, because Emily's going to help. I've already given my prediction. My job is done. Okay. <laughs> the test. The test. Okay, can I look at the test of your predictive power? test. I just looked at it, and I think Greg can look at it. Okay. I, sh- I should look at it, too. Oh, no. I need to look I've been up. so looking forward to this. <laughs> oh, that's dreadful. <gasps> oh my God, I hate so much. He's turning into a taxon. That's right. Wait. Wow. Did I read that? Wow. Um, all right. In the meantime, everything is terrible on this cover. I hate it. I hate everything. <laughs> Can you tell people about it? It's, no. Um, <laughs> read the thing okay that I was it's saying. a tobias book the cut text is tobias is about to face his biggest fear it's called the test he's morphing from bird into taxon the taxons are actually worse than i thought they were like they've are actually done his biggest fear like, <laughs> not, let, not. Let great predicted. <laughs> um because they've done a great job i think in this cover image of getting all of the like lobster claws and the mouth on top and the eyes that look like jello like that's actually my god that's so much worse than i saw in my head yeah. wow 
It's real bad. So mm -hmm. I think that is pretty bad, but to me, the jello eyes, they're creepier in my mind. Okay. Yeah, this is more like, like, you know those stress balls that you squeeze and it like bulges yeah. around your fingers? That's what these look like. Whereas I feel like, I, I see them as like cubes of jello that like wiggle. The shape, yeah, the wiggle. Yeah, the wiggle. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about the Tobias cover model? He looks like he lost like five years of age. Yes. Well, they he actually looks really cute and weak and pathetic. And like he has really good eyes. Oh, Just wanna, it's, it's much him. more appropriate. I guess it's fitting if, well, he, if like, he hasn't been able to age. Yeah, he's finally blonde. <laughs> okay, but he looks like eight here. Yeah, right. he's a real baby. Also, he's like wearing one of those necklaces from the 90s. Oh, he is. That t-shirt choice is so 90s boy. Yeah, it's like a brown oversized t-shirt that I definitely wore in the 90s because I was <laughs> cool. And uh, <laughs> neither is Tobias. I have Aww. to say, the, the stage three mid-morph here Worse. is, it's a, it's, look at that thing's beak tongue. Oh my God. It's amazing. Like, what is wrong with you? The world? I mean, I'm not saying I want to hang out with it. That is the most horrifying thing <laughs> I've seen in a very long time. It it actually, although it does actually look a little bit like a dinosaur, so I guess. There you go. That's my yeah, that's the only good it thing about like it. has like 10 sets of T-Rex arms. Yeah, it's, just, it's <laughs> terrible. Oh my god. Okay, and the inside cover is Tobias has a tax on, and he is in a tunnel, and Rachel is there. So I'm hoping that means there's going to be some good Tobias-Rachel content. Okay, so I think Tobias's biggest fear is being trapped in a morph because he won't be able to still be part of the oh, it's team. So true. And being trapped in a taxon morph would be the least that good. Would. Yeah, that like would, being yeah. trapped as a human morph, not great for Tobias, can't be part of the gang anymore, but this would be absolutely the worst. So I think the, the facing his biggest fear is having to get a taxon morph and then like the possibility of getting trapped. Mm. Um, I think there'll be some good Tobias Rachel content and the test is going to be, uh, I think there's going to be some more Elemist shenanigans in this one. Mm. Okay. All right. And somehow the Elemist is coming back to like test Tobias by being an asshole as usual. Naturally. Oh, uh, not the Elemist again. Worst. <laughs> Ugh. Wait, wait. I have a follow up question. Um, what book is this a sort of sequel to and why? <laughs> This requires a memory of these books that I... What were the other Tobias books called? Uh, there's The Encounter, which is three. The Change, which is 13. Pretender is 23. And The Illusion is 33. I was, I'm going to say The Pretender, which is the mm. one where there's the fake cousin, right? Aria. Yeah. So I think there maybe maybe there's like another family drama thing mm. for Tobias. Mm. I like okay. it. Okay. All right. I like it. You should check off the... So bingo time? Oh, bingo time. Yeah. So I'm just going to check off my little um, my little bingo card here. By checking off the Return of the Helicrons. Oh my gosh. All you need is they defeat Cryak. I need them to defeat Cryak sometime between now and the end of the things. Or you need a giraffe morph, rescue Visser 1, and Rachel and Tobias kiss. Would be good. Or Jake and Cassie kiss. Cassie does morphing magic and ghost writers forget who is talking. <laughs> Also, plot from Star Trek. I feel like we maybe have had at some point mm -hmm. in the last couple books, but well, um, our listeners would tell say, us whether forty-one was a plot from Star Trek. Yes, that's, I think that's the. But yeah, you are one away from bingo. They just have to defeat Cryak, which it's a good thing that you decided that that Megamorph's four didn't count because otherwise you're already have bingo and just the game would be over. Yeah, but just so you guys know, if by the end of this series they haven't defeated Cryak, I'm going to just say that that counts. That's legit. So that I can yes, check it out. That's fair. <laughs> important to me that I win this game. But 
that I had made up there for myself. Um, okay. Yeah. Emily, do you have anything you want to want to leave us or the listeners with? Guys, these, these audiobooks have been so much fun to do, and I hope that you're enjoying listening to them. If you did, just a quiet plug, please leave reviews on like Audible and stuff. It makes such a difference, not just to like other people who are buying them, but like also the number of reviews is a signal of engagement, which tells the publisher that these are popular. The more reviews, the, the more they're likely going to see, oh, this is a really engaged fandom. And as a really side note, we narrators do read them. I hate to say it because I can't tell you how often I have to, you know, comfort a friend who's like, this review is so horrible. But like, if you enjoy it, if you don't like it, you don't have to leave a review. But if you like the books, like, please leave reviews. They make a really big difference um, for everyone in the audiobook industry. Like, it's a small thing, but it makes a huge difference. So, um, yeah, the next one's coming out. It's number seven, which was my favorite of the two books I recorded. The moment I knew I was doing seven, I knew exactly which book that was. And it had been over 20 years since I'd read it. And I knew exact. I knew like the grizzly bear and the elevator and the yerk pool and the anger issues. And like my brain was like, I'm so there for it. So it's number seven. I love it. Um, you'll get to meet the Elemist who I I don't remember how I voiced him. So I hope I voiced him well. (laughs) I hope you voiced him badly. I was just about to ask for a preview. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm very sympathetic to the Elemist. So, yeah. Um, If you get to 27, I hope that you will be influenced by Ted's drode voice. Oh, I loved it. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I have been so enjoying Ted's voices. Don't you think they don't get in my head? They're in there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, Everybody listen. Go to um, you can go to animorphology.com and in the show notes for this episode, there's a link to Emily's all of Emily's books on Audible and also to the most recent Animorphs book on Audible, so you can leave reviews there. And I will also see if I can find them on other audiobook sources. The Stranger comes out April 8th, so you know if you're sitting at home not doing much, take a listen. And with it comes number eight, which is the first Axe books, which should be delightful. So between me and Axe, yeah, I've loved both narrators so far, but I, I am so psyched to hear Axe. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Me too. Very excited. Awesome. Right. Thank that you so good. much for joining so us. So fun. Oh my gosh. I had a blast and I have had such fun telling people for the last month. Yeah, no, right now I'm binging this Animorphs podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no joke. I cannot tell you how many dates I went on where the guys were like, so what are you listening to right now? And I was like, um, it's this middle grade sci-fi so then they knew how cool they were. The- totally. That's why I didn't have second dates with them. I was too cool for them. <laughs> they were very intimidating. Actually, yes. Anyone who's not by that, you don't want to date them. I completely agree. No, I, I genuinely have loved listening and I will keep listening. And actually now I have to start reading the books before I listen. So I'm caught up enough that I should be able to do that. Whew. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. Ted, thanks for being a part of the Reddit AMA. You asked awesome questions and that you invited me to be on this was really awesome. And I'm so grateful. I'm really glad that you were here. Thank you. Stay healthy, stay safe. Same to you guys up there. Thank you, guys. If you want to find us, we are at Anamorphology.com and at Anamorphology on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. 
And if you want to read along, you can find a link to the Animorphs eBooks on our website. At this point, we are friends. I listened to 87 hours of you in a month. Yes, we're friends. I'm both impressed and a little worried for you. <laughs>